Live from the NixCast Phanthropological Institute, we're going to try and make monolithic kernels into monolithic popcorn as we talk about Linux fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fan's eye view to you. Happy Friday or Thursday if you're a patron. Patreon.com slash the NixCast is where you can find out more how you can become one of those. Today, we're talking about Linux fans, and here with me to do that are Nick T. Hello. And Nick Z. Hello. I didn't have anything clever because your uh, witty banter had just caught me off guard. This is why... I shouldn't be uh, left alone by myself at the top of the show for very long. <laughs> because I also don't introduce myself. I'm Nick G. Ooh. See, you you found a way to work it in. Good on yeah. you. you yeah, got it. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about, about it. it. I'm a podcast pro. Mm-hmm. I mean, while you were trying to remember to introduce yourself, to say your name, uh, I was actually trying to figure out a good way to work in this week's topic, uh, which is actually quite different than most of the things that we cover. Um, as G had mentioned at the very, very top of the episode, this week we are talking about Linux fans. Uh, Linux fans being fans of the Linux kernel, um, without getting into too much specifics, like fans of the, the operating system that is built using Linux, um, built by Linus Torvalds that originally came out in 1991. Um, now, uh, Linux is used in all sorts of different operating systems and devices from home computers, which I think the majority of fans are fans of and also all sorts of other devices like pvrs tvs uh receivers pbx's which are used for phone systems um it's just an insanely popular operating system probably because it's free and open source but anyway that's what we are talking about this week mm-hmm. it's, it's at least in the top three operating systems i'm sure <laughs> actually i i joke but when i think about it it's just like okay so what would the top three be because it's probably not Windows, Mac, and Linux. Hmm. It's probably like Linux, Android, and then some other operating system. Switch. Well, Linux Linux is everywhere. Switch. Yep. Linux Switch OS. Made. I think you uh, hitched yourself to the wrong horse there, Z. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nintendo is not a sponsor of this podcast, but we'd love for them to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Nintendo, if, if you're, you're out there. Reggie, send us a bunch. Of, call us. I think they are. Ooh. I think they are out there. I don't know if they're in here. <laughs> but uh, we'd, if you send a, if you send us a bunch of free stuff, we would certainly <laughs> use it. <laughs> but yeah, Linux is everywhere. I did not know that, especially lurking in your phones. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know specifically, but I'm pretty sure that the Android operating system is built on top of a Linux kernel. I could be mistaken, though. Eighty uh, percent of Android phones uh, use Linux. What are the other 20% yeah. Who knows? <laughs> okay, that's that's fine. I understand the limitations of our research. They, <laughs> they shrank a really cool guy down and just stuck him in there. So um, the, the android. The yeah. titular android. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be a really cool meta idea. <laughs> if, if a guy was your <laughs> operating system? No, I mean, I, that's well, that's I mean, done all the time in like Wizard of Oz prototyping. And Tron. Oh and Tron. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Was he in a computer? Yeah, I mean, like, no, he was on an actor bike. in front of a 
And then he was the dude. Yep. Um, one interesting fact that I learned about Linux is actually kind of like tangential because it's not so much about Linux as it is I was setting up my computer and found out something about Linux. Oh. So I'm recording this on a Windows 10 machine, so you would think that that has nothing to do with Linux. I found out that as of Windows 10, uh, Canonical, the organization responsible for Ubuntu and a whole bunch of other uh, software packages for Linux, they worked with Microsoft in order to uh, release Bash. Bash is like uh, a particular terminal emulator uh, so that it works in Windows. So as a programmer, one of the things I've always complained about is that it's really hard to do software development in Windows. And now I can because it's basically Linux, even though it's not. Cool. That's all right. They must they must recognize the value that Linux has to people who are serious by their computers. Yeah. So much so that they've gone and done what Linux had already sort of done with Wine, creating a way to use programs from another operating system in that operating system. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think with, with this, they've made it easier. So it's it's more like, it's less emulation and more like mm-hmm. reproduction. Okay. Because with Wine, um, like what an operating system does is there's a, a bunch of programming code and then somewhere it needs to call to access resources that are on the the computer like the hard drive or the cpu or the video card or something like that and so those are implemented as system calls and the system calls for windows aren't the same as the ones for linux or unix or mac Mm -hmm. so for wine the reason that it can be slow is because you have to take all those calls and like emulate them in linux yeah the thing that i find most most frustrating about wine is that it is a recursive acronym oh there's lots of those <laughs> it drives me insane <sighs> i feel like that's just kind of part and parcel with the uh well maybe not your standard linux users sense of humor but certainly the uh i hesitate to say higher ups mm. since linux is uh it's all about being free and open and about people getting together does anybody know what the original name of linux was going to be Oh, this I don't know. This was um, Linus Torvalds, as you said, is the inventor, creator, whatever you want to call it, of Linux. And it's named after him, Linus. But he initially didn't like the name because he thought it was too egotistical. That makes sense. Hmm. Linus Torvalds made Linux in response to Unix, which is a similar idea, but like programmed by Bell Labs, I think. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so he made his own version that was open that you could modify yourself. But I still don't know what he what he wanted to call it. Ah, any guesses? Any guess from anybody? Um, Torvald Drix. No, wait, that seems <laughs> that seems equally egotistical. <laughs> similar similar complaints. To the other one. Uh, the core. F- uh, Foos free open OS. T, you are not far off. Z, you are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He wanted, he wanted to call it Freaks, F-R-E-A-X, for free, freak, and X, as in reference to Unix. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I do have on my paper, kernel equals core. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> actually a really good way to that think about it. Unrelated, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Just, just making like a deep cut for a moment. One sure. thing that's always really interesting about us doing this show is that... Sometimes we're fortunate and we actually know something about what we're talking about. Um, this is probably not one of those episodes, being completely candid. 
like Z happens to use Linux. Uh, I was a Linux user for like, oh, I don't remember how long, probably a decade, using a variety of different OSs. And G is uh, mostly I've not. Really no familiarity. I uh, did most of my learning for this episode. Yeah, so it's, it's always interesting to see what kinds of things come up as a result of that lack of familiarity with the subject. Uh, which, I guess that also <laughs> came up with fantasy football and um, was another good one. Steampunks, to a lesser extent. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you find out if like as you're learning about it while learning about the people that are into it. Um, and I was, I was watching on YouTube a couple of videos by a YouTube user called The Linux Gamer. Okay. And he had one where he just like explains what Linux is as opposed to like windows and mac or whatever mm-hmm. and then he has another one called six reasons why linux works well with a pc and that was what i watched and then i got it i got because we're, we're always looking for the why right yeah yeah like and the why shouldn't in this case you don't need that much actual technical knowledge to find that out no because of what it means to people's lives or like how they interact with it rather than the specifications of it yeah because he talked about a lot of comics that he got like oh linux still sucks for gaming and like oh I, why would i use it and so and he was talking about you know linux is free you know everybody around the world can collaborate like make these great great distros as opposed to let me get this right <clears throat> other people with their pcs and their corporate controlled proprietary systems <laughs> right there is where i understood this is ron paul <laughs> this is <laughs> this is like this is like programming libertarianism. There's so yeah. much about the community and like the little guy and versus corporations. And you don't have to ask permission from the gatekeeper to do what you <laughs> want with your computer. And then I got it. Yeah. I understood completely. I did a bunch of my, my research on uh, on Reddit and I heard oh, like I was reading a lot of the same sentiments. Somebody even went so far to say as with the other OSs, Windows and Mac, it's like the computer is running you or owning you. Whereas with Linux and other uh, distros, distributions, you are the one in control of of your computer. Mm. I'm, when you said it's like uh, kind of libertarianism, I, I see where you're coming from with that. It's definitely, I think, a big factor of the why of Linux fans is ideology. Mm-hmm. because it's this idea of like free open source it actually could be either part of that right like free because it doesn't cost you anything so it's like anti-consumerist or whatever you want to say open source meaning that you can modify it you it's very um diy oriented like um we haven't covered makers on the show but i think of makers kind of in the same way but i don't think of makers as libertarians like to make the analogy well there are a couple of like like in a way that everyone works together, that's supposed to be more communism. But libertarian libertarianism is there's no large governing body like quote right. interfering is what yeah. I was getting at. Right. Okay. Which I mean is also not entirely true because there are various Linux organizations that help to form standards. Like there's the Linux standards base, although I don't know how valid that is. But like mm. I, I think that is a really good way of understanding it because I think that ideology is a huge part of the the why because you will find people who whether or not they use Linux are still huge advocates for open source software and will use various alternatives that are present in Linux. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emphasis on, you know, when you get programs and software, you get it directly from those who make it instead of like overheads and going through middlemen and, and all of that. So it feels not communist, but like communal. Yeah. 
yeah, there's definitely a strong sense that you don't have to worry about going to some sketchy third-party site and downloading some file that may or may not be the thing you need to get this thing in some other operating system to actually run the way you want it to run. Do check out zohar'sdomain.com. <laughs> <laughs> still, still kicking. To take your your libertarian analogy a little bit further, like there's also sure. a, a large element of uh, personal responsibility in that sense too, right? Because when you mm. when you run open source software, it's like, look, you can look at this and you can verify that it's correct. But if you don't believe me, like download it and here are some utilities you can use to check that nothing bad has happened to the software. It's like, uh, so so you'd get a, a checksum, which is like a quick number that is like verifying the integrity of the file. And it's like, is the file that I got, does the checksum match the one that we posted? It does? Cool. I found another aspect of like Linux fans is like the security-oriented nature of those fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a thread on Reddit uh, called, in our Linux, of course, called Why I Still Use Linux, one uh, one poster mentioned that, well, they made the analogy that Linux is like science in that people provide you the evidence and the access to that evidence and to all of the work that they did behind it, behind what they've done. And that's how trust is, is established rather than, you know, with a, a Windows or a, a Mac OS, for example, you just kind of trust that everything is going to work out the way that the company says it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. So there's like that. That sense of privacy and that sense of security, that's almost kind of built into this sense of community of people gathering around this common thing and helping each other out with problems and, and that sort of thing as they come up. I mean, that is a that is a very understated aspect. If um, I mean, Z, you, you have a Linux machine. Yep. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had a problem with it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to say that yes. people have problems with linux machines as a regular occurrence but like no well yeah i mean i have had some problems with it a really really small example uh, getting my microphone to work for some bizarre reason it was working fine for the longest time and then suddenly when i went to uh, record it was recording one of these podcasts in fact um, what happened was that when i had my microphone plugged in for whatever reason i i guess the internal mic was was triggered because it was recording you two talking but not recording me talking at all. And so I had what? to... Yeah, How did it, it sound? <laughs> it sounded it sound pretty good, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I had to like just go in and tick a box. Since I am using Lupuntu, it's a little bit more graphical and not so uh, terminal command line focused, which is something I haven't really gotten into at all. But on the bigger end of things, I, I had... like Every time I try to use my computer with a printer there's always some kind of struggle involved just because mm. like the drivers have to be particular to the printer, but also particular to the version of, of Linux or Lubuntu that you're using. One of the things I saw a lot of uh, when people were trying to sell other people on the Reddit on Linux was that it it's easier to use than a Windows or a Mac OS. And I think in some ways it is because you can sort of pop up the hood and look under there and you can either go online or if you're adventurous, really tinker around yourself and figure it out. But there's that step of figuring it out that's involved. Whereas with a Windows or a Mac, you just kind of go to their help service and either look up your question and find an answer or ask your question and wait for an answer. Which is why perhaps a majority of people are probably not going to use Linux and why Linux is like Mm -hmm. its own 
sort of uh, like fandom and community to begin with. Yeah. Because it's like it's like cars, right? Yes. Everyone's got a car. Not everyone is interested in how it works or fixing it themselves. Yeah. They just wanted to do the thing. Yeah. Not everybody wants to put flame decals across the sides and like add some, some NOS and put some rad spoilers on the back and whatever. Weirdly. <laughs> in that scenario like to make it more of a comparison you're like oh well um if i wanted to make changes to my car even to put flame decals on it even if i have the materials to make the decals i might need to spend like 20 or 30 bucks to get permission to put them on my car or something like that ah yeah. yes yeah, yeah. If, if you're talking about windows or mac yep. um, yeah hypothetically yeah there's definitely a, a big element of of like community and and freedom i think mm-hmm. i wish we'd done an episode on makers because i think there'd be a ton of overlap i i think that there would be i mean like like yourself totally speculating here i think there would be overlap but i think the main difference would be that with makers as far as i understand them they're making stuff that is practical like that doesn't really have that doesn't really have a medium through which it it's being used like you're using Linux on your computer, and so, like, you're using Linux. You're making with Linux, but you're making on something that everybody has anyway. Kind of going back to the whole car thing. Like, if you're if you're a mechanic, you could probably soup up your own car. But if you're not a mechanic or have no interest in becoming one or learning learning the skills involved in the trade, you're probably not going to bother you'll get somebody else to do, to, uh, to do it. So I, I don't know. It just, it feels like there's a, some sort of subtle difference between makers and, and Linux users. I think that there's certainly similarities, but something separating them in my mind, but I could be totally, completely, <laughs> utterly wrong. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the reason that I suggested that is just that like, there's this strong element of um, like learning and, and mm-hmm. kind of like different, hurdles that you need to cover to like understand what it is that you're doing which maybe that is the difference that you're talking about because when you're talking about linux you're like run these commands you're like i don't understand what they're doing whereas if i said hey we're gonna build um i don't know like a a slot car race derby and you're like well i'm (laughs) gonna put these wheels over here and you're like no that won't work because the wheels won't spin if you do that yeah yeah there's a there's a core competency involved in, in getting into linux in the first place which means there probably has to be an interest into more than just ha- like having a computer that goes to the internet. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, the reason why I, I got onto Linux in the first place was because um, I just have always had older computers. And it got to the point where, you know, Windows wasn't really working on one of them anymore. Um, and it was the only thing I had at the time. So um, I forget who it was. It might have been it might have been UT. It might have been another one of our friends, possibly... Uh, Holly or Matt, and uh, they mentioned Ubuntu, and I was like, oh, what's that? And told me all about it, and I was like, oh, I might as well try it, because I don't have to buy a new laptop. And, <laughs> and it worked, and I've just been using it ever since. I mean, I miss, I do miss Microsoft Office, and I do miss uh, just the accessibility of various games and that kind of thing, but I'm willing to pay the price. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Actually, I have an article here, techrepublic.com, entitled, It's Time Linux Fans Open Their Arms to Closed Source. 
What? Oh, this is it. Okay. I'm I'm intrigued. It sounds like a man in a suit coming down from a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just read some little bits here. Both Microsoft and Apple have already laid the framework of open source acceptance. Apple even has an open source page to display everything they've already made open. And in 2015, Microsoft went on record to say open source Windows is definitely possible. He goes, most of the, most of the software I use on a regular basis is open. He names some open source apps that he uses. However, there are a few pieces of the puzzle that are closed. Chrome, Spotify, Klein, Google Apps, InSync, all closed. All these titles, however, run on the very much open source elementary OS Freya. So my daily routine is a mixed bag of open and close. There are many people that would tell me I could switch out open software for those few closed titles. Chromium could handle Chrome's duty, Grieve 2 could replace InSync, the Spotify web client works well, and, well, a combination of pieces could possibly take the place of Google Apps. It's all very possible. However, what I need more than anything is to be able to work efficiently and reliably. I would happily give up those closed bits for open bits if they were available. But um, Chromium and Google Apps don't always get along well. There are apps that I, which happen to be closed source that I depend upon. Because those closed source apps function on Linux, my daily routine hums along quite well. If those apps didn't function within the Linux ecosystem, they wouldn't even be part of the picture. Thing is, they do. And because they do, I use them. And because I and many others use them, they exist. You see that circle of life in action there? So this kind of saying, like, open source is not the end-all be-all if you're a fan of Linux. There are closed source programs that use Linux, and that's that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. Don't let your idealism get in the way of your, I don't know, efficiency or productivity or whatever is basically what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. To add just a quick bit of uh, context, because sure. I, I don't think we actually explained it. Open source software is software where you're able to see the code that's compiled mm-hmm. to run on your computer. Uh, closed mm-hmm. source software, not so much. So they mentioned Google Chrome, which a lot of people use. And Chromium is Google Chrome without all the special fiddly performance bits. But it looks right. pretty much identical. Mm, and that's open source. Yeah. Or a better example would be like Audacity is an open source program. So you can go and modify it if you want um, mm-hmm. versus like GarageBand or uh, Adobe Audition. Yeah. Right. I feel, well, aside from maybe some lofty ideals, I feel like part of why Linux users would resist that sort of thing, that sort of idea of going closed source in some instances is because of a little uh, little thing that I found in my reading on Reddit, what I did was, instead of just making notes the usual way I do, just sort of summarizing interesting points, I uh, I made a little tally of various reasons why people said they were interested in Linux and why Ooh. why other people should be too. Um, so I had headings like freedom from corporations, empowerment, a culture of growth and sharing, uh, privacy, community, ease of use, jobs because some people used it for their jobs or wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for linux and just simply it being fun and out of those the top five starting from the bottom were that idea that culture of growth slash community because they tied um privacy freedom from corporations empowerment and ease of use so it sounds like and i think most of these threads were maybe at most three years old so i want to say you know maybe maybe linux users are starting to uh soften up on the whole closed source equals bad mentality Mm -hmm. i mean the world has changed a lot in terms of software development right like one thing Mm -hmm. we were were mentioning before the show had started recording was (laughs) that um there's a site slashdot.org and it's a news site has a lot of linux related news but also just a lot of like techie news and there's a joke that happens there all the time 
uh, which is doesn't matter what year it is, but it's like year year of Linux on the desktop. <laughs> uh, and I mean, for the longest time, it was actually very hard to run Linux on a desktop, and now you can run Linux on a toaster without any difficulties. So, <laughs> like, given the right kind of toaster, you can play Doom on a toaster. Did you know that? A, That's a, a thing. flying toaster. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> yeah. But oh I mean, a lot of things have happened. Uh, large companies have started contributing to open source. A good example that I can think of that has kind of turned the tides in some sense is Valve, the company that makes Steam and games like Team Fortress 2 and uh, Half-Life released not only a Steam client for Linux, but it also released, I think, the majority of the games that they produce for Linux. And they run pretty well, I mean, from what I've seen in my experience. And in addition to that, that has kind of opened a door for other game developers to start releasing on you know, Mac and Linux. I mean, a lot of them are indie game developers, and so they probably program in a way that it's largely operating system agnostic. But I think like even something like that has kind of warmed people up to closed source because if you want to play a game, you can't really argue with whether or not it's open source. No, it's just it's it's a game. Yeah. Unless you want like to play how, Pac-Man. <laughs> how much do you want to crack open the game before you even know like what it's about? Well, I mean, yeah. there there is a whole community of modders, but that is an yeah. Oh, yeah. episode in its own right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even going back to the days of the Game Shark and the Game Genie, I think Nintendo tried to uh, bring the makers of, of the Game Genie on the NES to court because it like their case was that, that Game Genies modified the code and that was like an infringement of their copyright. I don't know if it made it to court or if it got thrown out or if Nintendo lost, but somehow it didn't work out in Nintendo's favor because we still have or had Game Sharks and Game Genies and the like. So there's definitely that like sense of who owns code, you know? Oh, that is its own legal thing. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. It's definitely one of those. It's a thorny legal issue. But uh, in my searchings, I also found a website. I believe it's just a. Uh, the new website, GNU. And one of the sections on that site is what is free software? And they define free software very extensively. And like, basically it boils down to there are these four freedoms involved in free software or open source software, since I believe that the two terms are synonymous. Um, and those four freedoms are, you have the freedom to run the program as you wish to any purpose. You have the freedom to study the program and adapt it as you see fit, you have the freedom to share the copy, end quote, so you can help your neighbor, end quote, and you have the freedom to distribute your modded version. And then it later goes on to say that charging somebody for a modded version is not in violation of those freedoms, as long as you don't add any sort of uh, conditions to the use of that modded version. Mm. It gets kind of nebulous. It's like a whole group of people are pulling a Jerry Garcia and saying, once I've dedicated that line of code to the computer screen, I'm done with it. Man. Were you, were you reading the GPL? Is that what that was? Possibly. It's, it, it could not be that, but like when you were mentioning that, really quickly. Like there's this idea of the GPL, which is the new public license, no. which is like, okay, cool. No, I then was... I won't get into that because there's a whole <laughs> idea of copyleft and like, Oh, they did mention topic. they did mention copyleft. Oh, okay. And after being hopped up on uh, all of the all the stuff from the Reddit, I found copyleft to be kind of a a weird term 
that they had to, you know, coin something on their own. Well, I mean, suffice to say, copyleft is the idea of like a copyright. So having <laughs> like ownership over something, except it applies to whoever uses that thing. Yeah. So it's like if I make a modification to some uh, open source software and it's copyleft, then like that software that I make also needs to be the same terms and conditions. Yeah, it sounds like it just kind of creates a big mess. It's complicated and maybe not a good topic for talking about Linux <laughs> fans. I'm going to take the conversation in a different direction, though. Okay. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I am very aware of as, as a fan of Linux is that there are a lot of distributions of Linux, like a distribution yeah. being a bundling of the different software along with the kernel. Um, why, do you th why do you think that is? There are probably a lot of distros, aren't there? There's so many. There are hundreds. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. well, it's open source. So, like, mm -hmm. anybody can have a crack, theoretically. Yeah. I think part of it also has to do with the the customizability of Linux itself. Just, I, I imagine that somebody, you know, somewhere along the line made a distro of Linux. And then somebody else saw it and, and thought to themselves, wow, that looks really cool. But uh, I would change this. But, you know, that person thinking that wouldn't have had that idea unless they saw the configuration of Linux that they saw. So I, I kind of see it as like this branching path with like hundreds of branches on it. I think a lot of it comes down to the customizability of it. You know, it's not just a matter of changing the look like you can do in, in Windows or probably Mac OS, but actually changing what certain things do. I read on one of the Reddit threads that uh, somebody modded the... Uh, their audio program so that they could change the volume and like pitch or bass and treble just by clicking their mouse in different ways or something. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Dope as heck. <laughs> <laughs> have we had enough swings for you to answer too? Uh, I, I didn't have an answer. I, I was curious. <laughs> oh, you're just like, why do you think? No, I, I was I just mean, asking just a genuine there. question. Like, oh, why okay. Do you okay. I mean, I, I also kind of think that it's that, abundance of choice that leads to so many distros it's like what if you wanted to do this and you didn't want to do it all from scratch it's like okay that yeah. makes sense yeah. <laughs> this is good but like maybe this maybe this in green you know what i'm saying so i'm changing <laughs> um yeah the the one of the one of the main main themes i got uh apart from like the freedom and the you know the revolutions and so forth is is, is part of the freedom choice mm -hmm. it's all about so there's like an individualistic aspect to it yeah like this is this is an operating system that suits like the specific needs that i have and perhaps aesthetic that i like yeah um and so on so it's like it's more it's more personal than a corporation like giving you permission to update its you know <laughs> its os or whatever mm -hmm. right oh sorry i just remembered that i think somebody had made like a star trek the next generation style theme Oh, cool! But I'm trying to remember what what is that called? Like Elcars? Is that what it is? Elcars Library Computer Access Retrieval System. Somebody made a Linux desktop that resembled that, like the the TNG style look. The um, hmm. what are they called? Akutagrams. Akutagrams. After same, I want to say Michael Akuta, the designer of all the uh, all that fun tech hmm. in TNG. Oh, I mean, probably that, yeah. 
Must have been a yeah. very laid back yep. guy. That's what? Okuda Matata. Uh, Okuda. No. <laughs> hey G, you mentioned something about changing the tracks. That's right. Do you know do you know the deal with, with China and Windows? Do you know the twenty five percent of Windows machines in China are on XP? Uh that sounds familiar, but no, I did not know that off the top of my head. <laughs> Chinese government banned Windows eight because uh Microsoft stopped support for Windows XP. <laughs> oh, Okay. It gave them copies of Windows 7. We don't know how that's gone yet. <laughs> but because of that, I believe it is it is the government that has been working on this. Uh, has been working on Neo Kylin, which is an operating system that is basically XP but built on Linux. Oh, cool. Because of the... I don't know the root cause of the popularity of XP over there. But people love it. Or... The government mandates that people love it, <laughs> and so we're gonna slip in slip in a Linux version. <laughs> Some new story from a year ago, so it's hmm. progress now. But yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. In in, in opposition to choice, you can <laughs> you can turn Linux into a facsimile of your favorite operating system <laughs> that is no longer supported, if you so wish. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was running Linux, I had it with like the Mac look, which didn't change very much other than the Chrome on the Windows. Mm-hmm. And it would just had like round buttons and they were on the other side of the window. And I thought it was so cool. <laughs> it's the coolest. Yeah. That was when Windows XP was like a new thing. I remember that. I remember getting it. I had, I had ME, my friend. Oh, wow. It was rough times. That was not a good time <laughs> yeah like wasn't it wasn't the os for very long either no no having a weird little um aside here I th- yeah i think windows me was like a version of windows nt which was a version of windows 2000 mm. but it had a whole bunch of bugs which would explain huh. a lot of the correct Oh, boy. Windows NT was like the server version for like corporations, I think. Okay. Um, I always saw like NT around, but never quite knew Yeah, what it was all about. It wasn't like a thing for most consumers. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they made ME from it. <laughs> made me realize how good every other OS is. <laughs> now I'm rocking Windows 10. That is a it's... rather large difference. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's... And now we're going to go over to Z with Fan of the Week, Z. Oh, thanks, G. This Fan of the Week comes from the Reddit thread, why I still use Linux. Comes from user, bear with me here, 03891223. And they say, I didn't like computers growing up. They were finicky, a mess to use, and a- backwards. I bought a desktop off a friend of my first or second semester at college, and it had Vista dual-booted with Ubuntu. I've never heard of Ubuntu before, or Linux in general, so I started reading up on it, and within a couple days I wiped Windows off the desktop, along with my laptop. Turns out I loved computers, just hated Windows. Never really thought there were options when it came to OSs. Then came the long experience of distro hopping, trying to find what I liked about each environment. I was comfortable using Linux within a day or two, more so than Windows, which I have been using all my life. 
At first, the command line was cool, because you see all those elite hacksaws using it in the movies. So How I dabbled... How old is this post? <laughs> hmm? How old is this post? Uh, I believe this post is uh, possibly a year or two old. Okay, so like 2015, 2016? Yeah. Lead hacksaws? Lead hacksaws. I mean, okay. he's using the, the parlance of the time. <laughs> <laughs> to quote the dude. This is true. Who this I'm sure true. would be a Linux user if he knew what a computer was. <laughs> anyway, he, anyway, sorry, he did, continue. Yeah, he did say it first. At first, the command line was cool because you see all these leet hacksaws using it in the movies. So I dabbled in scripting and finding programs that run in the CLI. Soon I found out that I love CLI. It's easy. You don't have to go to this menu and the submenu. Check this box, this box, and this box. But don't select this box because it will mess it all up. You can replace all that with a few simple characters. Distro hopping continued for a few years until I found uh, hashtag exclamation mark. First distro I stayed with more than a couple weeks. I absolutely loved it. It was simple, easy to customize, and the forums were great. That's when I really started customizing Linux. The project closed down a couple years after, and while clones like Bunsen Labs showed up, I took it as an opportunity to try Arch. Loved the idea of building your environment for your needs, selecting every bit that goes into it, even though I ended up making a hashtag exclamation mark clone, lol. Slowly transitioned into trying tiling WMs, but haven't looked back since. That, my friends, is the ballad of 03891223. It's, it's funny because it's like, I haven't heard of that. And then it's like, but then it closed down. And I'm like, okay. And then it's like, and then I went to Arch Linux. And I'm like, okay, I saw. Arch Linux is um, one of the distros yeah. where you kind of have to do not everything by yourself. Like, you don't have to compile everything. But when you start off, you have to do a lot of work. Hmm. Uh, WMs are window managers, so okay. for most people, that doesn't really matter because your OS only has the one. Yep. What I like about that distro is that it was easy to pronounce. <laughs> Do we? Is there any situation in which we still say pound? Do you mean Octothorpe? <laughs> oh boy. What's that now? Octothorpe. Well, every every time I'm on a, I you know I uh, I call my phone company or whatever, and uh, you know they give the options and. Usually it's the, the star of the hashtag to uh, to go back to <laughs> well, the main menu. Well, they say the hashtag. <laughs> no, they, they say Octothorpe. <laughs> they say Octothorpe? They say pound. They, they say, say pound. pound. Okay. <laughs> I mean, all I have to counter with is Interobang. <laughs> that doesn't appear on any phone. Is Interobang the upside down question mark? Interobang is the exclamation mark and question mark put together. Oh. Combo. Well, Interrogative and a bang. I guess. <laughs> cool. That was a really neat story, though. Um, I I can yeah. kind of relate to that. Yeah. I mean, not that I hated computers before that, but <laughs> I, I always thought that the command line was super cool. I can see that. It kind of it is cool in movies. <laughs> yeah. If I don't see it on my computer, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, uh, I have nothing to back it up, but I sort of have a theory that the reason why people like the terminal so much is that it uh, perhaps more for people roughly our age. The Tom Hanks. Um, movie? Hmm? The Tom Hanks movie, the terminal <laughs> where he's from Krakosia and he's stuck in the terminal because his country stops being country while he's inside the airport as yeah, strangely relevant today. Maybe um, anyway, anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> um, I had this theory that, you know, 
people perhaps more so our age uh, like the terminal so much because it's a lot like DOS. I mean, it's different, but you're still kind of getting into the guts of your computer and telling it what to do directly. This is a good time to, to talk about like whether I know you guys like use Linux already, but like to talk about like whether we'd I don't know use it or you, or be into it further or or what have you. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. This this uh, this section we need a name for the we need a name for this segment. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that, and then I was gonna say if you have a good one, you can send it to Nick at the nextcast dot com. <laughs> Hurry. Yeah, please. You need, we need you to send it to us before we release this episode. <laughs> then it will be edited into the episode and you won't know we ever asked. Wait a minute. Uh, to answer your question, um, as I haven't done anything with Linux lately, I would say that I probably would not do anything with Linux because I've reached a point where I'm less interested in tinkering with the stuff and more interested in the stuff just working. I want to use a computer. I don't want to be a system administrator. That's fair. So uh, I probably won't do anything with Linux or not very much with it. I have like, um, it's called a chip, a C-H-I-P. I don't know mm-hmm. what that stands for, but its big thing was being, was showing how big it is compared to a banana. <laughs> anyway. You should, how big is it compared to a banana? <laughs> it's like half the size of a banana. That is impressive it depending is, on what it is. It's a computer. Okay, that is impressive. It's a computer, and it has a little board you can attach to it that has, like, an HDMI connector, and you can run, like, a little thing. I was actually thinking of using it for the Race Against Time to run, like, all the interesting overlays. Hmm. That'd be heckin' cool. I know. (laughs) Um, Stay tuned this summer. That would be, like, the thing that I would maybe do more Linux work with, but not, like, a lot, just a little bit of packaging stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that I'll probably continue on with it. Um, Not that I've ever really gone into uh, the terminal and tinkered around with the guts or not like I feel like a a system administrator using it. I mean, basically, I kind of just use it. I I, I feel like maybe the the reason why I enjoy it so much is because it reminds me of of the simpler times of Windows. You know, your 98, your XP, when you just, uh, just had some Windows in the start bar and... Just, you know, sit back in your rocking chair and click through. and It's so simple. Make Windows great again. (laughs) 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 Um, Not quite. (laughs) But there's also the factor that that, uh, even though it will inevitably lose compatibility with other things, um, I don't think this laptop, this netbook that I'm using right now, would work with any other OS. Hmm. But even when I get a new laptop, if uh, if possible, I'd consider dual booting to primarily use some form of Linux. Because basically what I use the computer for is as a typewriter with internet access. Have I got a product for <laughs> <So>. you? <laughs> it is a typewriter. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not kidding. There's like, I think it's called the free write. It's literally yeah. a typewriter with the internet. Or the Hemingway. But then there's no monitor. It has a tiny screen for writing, like a typewriter. Well, I mean, like, yeah. I don't want to have to, like, change the screen every now and then, you know? Every time it goes ding, you got to roll the screen up? That, that's not very efficient. Hey, You'd love it. Hey, don't G. lie. <laughs> hey, yeah. Let's just skip past all that. <laughs> uh, are you thinking about doing more with Linux, even in just a tinkering sense? Tinkering I'm not interested in at all. Okay. 
at all. Okay. I mean, I kind of like you know the idea of an OS that's slightly customizable mm-hmm. is is interesting. Um, you know, I'm so limited in my experience that I don't know what would what I would customize. I like the idea of something that asks you to update or okay things less. I mean, I, that appeals to me. I just got a new computer, so it's asking me a lot of questions up front. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of done with that. But like, if someone was like, push this button, you know, get a cool OS. You know that's that's fine, but uh, I I don't have any interest in the like the the guts of it or like the fiddly bits or the details of it. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's probably for me. No, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, actually, going back to uh, going back to what I went back to a lot in this episode, Reddit. Um, it's, it's all it's all it's always Reddit. It's all it's all Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. Anyway, um, one of the things that I that I saw written there was that uh, one of the users broke it down like this there are people who are you know just casual computer users there are people who are super users let's call them people who really want to get in into those guts and those are the two groups that are fairly easy to convince to use linux but then in the middle you have people who are masters of individual programs like they know microsoft office inside and outside they can like format an ebook in in uh, microsoft word in like under i don't know 10 minutes or whatever something ridiculous garage band 08 what is yeah up? yeah exactly I know that program inside and out exactly and those are the people that you will never convince to move to linux because you've got to relearn all those programs i mean LibreOffice is pretty similar to microsoft office ish mm-hmm. but i mean sometimes i run, run into some formatting problems when i send things to to people and they open it up with Microsoft Word or whatever. Good boy. And Audacity is is no garage band, so that is true. Yeah. <laughs> hey Z, I heard that you had some things that you wanted to say about some stuff. Uh, That's right. Yeah. I do. I have plenty of things to say about lots of stuff, but in particular, if I might home you know, something here with a little thing called the spotlight. I would like to talk about a little thing called Linux Chicks. And what Linux Chicks is, is it's this online group formed in 1999 by Deb Richardson, who eight years after Linux was created, she was sick and tired of all these online forums having kind of a locker room mentality, sort of a... uh, RTFM mentality, a read to the manual mentality, where people, you know, people would come onto these forums, ask questions, and then just be shot down because the the more experienced users thought they were stupid questions or foolish or basic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Deb Richardson put together this this group called Linux Chicks with the focus that, you know, all you need to do is be polite and be helpful. That's it. But also specifically, she wanted to target women. She wanted to give women a safer space to talk about Linux, to learn Linux. And over the course of, well, I guess now 18 years, um, the sites continued to to grow. There are now 15 chapters, I believe, across, I'm, I'm going to say the United States, but I'm not sure if it's that limited or not. Um, there are over a thousand mailing list members across the world. And it's this group that can be summed up very neatly. 
believe with Deb's own words, we don't need a lengthy, detailed rule book because it's all covered by be polite, be helpful. It's good ethos. Yeah, yeah. Especially around something as fiddly as Linux. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Later on um, in the about, the writer also mentioned, although this, this group was designed with the idea of getting, you know, women into talking about Linux and feeling safe, asking various questions about the operating system and how it works in that, it does mention in the about, discussion of gender issues is encouraged. However, we're striving for an environment free of the same old patriarchal influence we face at work and from the other high-tech boys clubs. So, like, it just seems like this neat place to go and learn about Linux without having to worry about being shot down, which is in itself kind of interesting because even though it's, it doesn't seem to be too big of an emphasis from what I read, there are still some people who cite Linux as this thing around which there's this great community that's very open and sharing and accepting. So I don't know if it was different 18 years ago and if, if that's changed, if the, if the Linux community has opened up a little bit or a lot, but nonetheless, Linux chicks. That's my rambling spotlight of the week. And you can find this group at www.linuxchicks, Linux with an X, chicks with an X, dot org. So L-I-N-U-X-C-H-I-X dot org. All right. Well, that's, that's cool. It's like, sounds like a, like a slightly easier entry than like navigating, you know, some of the forms that I saw. <laughs> they can be intense. Yeah. Seems intense. I can see why people like it, like can get into that intensity. I'm not, doesn't interest me, but I understand like there's a lot to sink your teeth into. <laughs> and if you would like to see what we're doing or get a hold of us in any fashion, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook are all at the Knicks cast. We'll post all our episodes up on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook, we got discussions going as well. Uh, YouTube, we got a, a, a bunch of Let's Plays up coming out weekly on Saturdays? Yeah, Saturdays. I try really hard to make sure they go out on Saturday. All right, every weekend. For your for your weekend watching pleasure, we got uh, we got Let's Plays out there. TNZ play Tales of Fantasia. And then also the three of us tackle Moon Hunters. So far, there's a lot in the bank. <laughs> there's so much in the bank. There's a lot in the bank. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes. Uh, give us a subscription so our episodes come right to your feed as soon as they're released uh, around noonish on Friday. Please leave a rating and review. Um, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people can see us, the more people can hear us, and the more we can do with this this little podcast forum that we have. And also, please do check out our Patreon. Our Patreon is where you can find all of our work, but more importantly, Patreon is a site where you are able to pledge uh, money towards supporting artists that you love uh, so if you love us and i know you do uh <laughs> then you can be a patron of the next cast by going to patreon.com slash the next cast and that helps us to support us in our let's plays in this podcast tangentially it helps us with the race against time which is a charity event that we run so far annually mm-hmm uh, to raise money for the alzheimer's society of canada while working our way through chrono trigger and its various endings but if you want more details about any of that, it's all at that website, uh, along with our goals, so you can see what we're putting the money towards. And there are also rewards for you, which might include 
getting the podcast episode early, being in the loop and knowing what's going on behind the scenes, knowing about things that we're planning, including trips to different conventions and uh, upcoming interviews and things like that. And uh, yeah, so check that out. Patreon.com slash the next cast. And be sure to join in on the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Phanthropological. That's hashtag Phanthropological. All right, that's going to sew it up this week for us on Phanthropological. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Next week, we'll be talking about Magic the Gathering, so you got to remember that core process. Untap, upkeep, draw, listen to our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, visit our Patreon, combat main. There's some other steps in there. I don't know, man. Just check out next week's episode on Magic the Gathering. from the next cast Franthropological Institute we're going to try and make monolithic kernels into monolithic monolith yeah <laughs> take two live from the next cast Franthropological Institute we're going to try and make monolithic kernels into monolithic popcorn as we talk about Linux fans oh, that was alright yeah <clears throat> <laughs> It's time to sing copyrighted songs. (laughs) I wish I knew the first words to where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Making your way in the world today. Ah. Takes everything you got. Some place to forget your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Troubles, troubles are all, all the same. There is no people know your name. <laughs> all right, G, do you want to get this train back on the track? No. <laughs> Bob Dylan. What, what do Bob. people? What do people do karaoke as a podcast? Good I'm sure friends. everyone would listen to it. Michael Caine. Hey, Mike. Oh uh, no! Crazy, shut up. Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You're done. Get him. The outtakes are my favorite. (laughs) Whatever. Weirdly. (laughs) What if that was just like the car? (laughs) Like like all the 2018s just have flame decals (laughs) painted right on. Does make your car go faster. And speed holes. Right. That's a deep cut. (laughs) (sighs) I don't don't remember what I was about to say. (laughs) I think I was gonna say in that scenario, like I do. I have plenty of things to say about lots of stuff, but in particular, if I might hone in on something.
So I'm like, Looper <laughs> 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 number one. Number one? <laughs> the best one. Oh, oh. my God. Uh, if I may home in on something. This is where you use your skills of an artist. <laughs> <laughs> just the understated <laughs> just perfect. Okay. Oh, boy. Sorry, go ahead. You can do this. Yep, yep. Did we want to do the intro to the next episode thing? What is it? Man- ma- is it magic? Magic the Gathering. Ooh. Oh, uh, uh, Something uh, about uh, mana. Tap your mana and uh, get friggin' sh- yeah, God damn it. Um, we floop the pig next week. Nice. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> oh, maybe selfish story. Okay, I got. I think I got one. Okay. All right. Next week we'll be talking about Magic the Gathering, so you got to remember that core process: untap, upkeep, draw. Listen to our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, visit our Patreon, combat main. There's some other steps in there. I don't know, man. Just just check out next week's episode on Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I like that a lot. Upkeep. Man, it's all come back. I've, I found the, the shirt. That was what I was looking for. Next week. Next week on Phantropological. Uh, crap. <laughs> that's good that's we can use it's got to be next something week, next week on pa- next week on Phantropological a podcast about magic the gathering next week on Phantropological a podcast about magic the gathering I'd tap that oh, Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> oh about planeswalkers um, i was thinking that yeah hmm. uh well uh, next week on phanthropological we're nowhere near the coast and not exactly wizards but we're <laughs> going to be talking about magic the gathering uh, hold on next week we're going to tap up to three players to record a fantastic podcast on magic the gathering listen along and see if we run out of mana I don't know if that, that, that's a thing. That is, yeah, it's kind of a thing. Uh, Sarah Angel, Rampant Growth. <laughs> names of cards. Next week on Pantherpological, it's the Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel app on your phone. Download it now. <laughs> <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! has a mobile game for some reason. I mean, that just makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh. <laughs> I mean, this would be the perfect opportunity for crappy Yu-Gi-Oh jokes. Ooh. If I had I any. I haven't seen Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. <laughs> I don't have any of those at my, uh, my disposal. Um, Next week on Phanthropological, we're not podcasting from America, but we will release three podcasters in attack mode to talk about Magic the Gathering. Next week, screw the money. I've got rules. We're talking about Magic the Gathering. It's all Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> bridge references. <laughs> that just reminds me of that picture where it's like, I don't know, Gandalf saying a Dumbledore quote with like oh, yeah. Luke Skywalker or whatever. 
Hearts. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my favorite is uh, the one with the picture of Che Guevara that says, like, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> and then, like, the years he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would just a simple... We got more mana than you can tap next week on Fanthropological. That's all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be overly clever, I suppose. No. Next week on Fanthropological, red, white, blue, green, black? That's right. We're talking about some Magic <laughs> the Gathering. You know what that means. After I read that list of colors. <laughs> I, I thought Z was going to go for red, white, and you. <laughs> for the second time. Just like reuse the same one. It's like my favorite joke in Stephen Colbert's book. <laughs> He has, he has oh, probably uh, yeah it's he has a pic a picture of himself um visualizing every chapter yeah and the one for immigrants is him wearing a mustache going like hey and the one for homosexuals is the same picture <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <sighs> i think we got enough there i think it's good yeah, yeah. All right. i like tease the best i think